Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Acts 2, 36-47, and you can follow along on page 6. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles... Um, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many words he warned them, and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Something like that. The Lord, is, the Lord is with us. Good to see everyone here today, uh, indeed, on this dreary uh, morning. My name is Yancey. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Meridian Hill. Um, as always, so glad to see your face and, and to be in a place where we can open God's word together this morning. Uh, we will continue in our series through the book of Acts, um, Church on Mission. And that's indeed who we are and what we are. Uh, last week, we had the opportunity to look at the verses before uh, these verses we are focused on today, looking at true spirituality, how God had indeed poured out his spirit. And today, we'll begin to look at how God began to structure and to mold and to shape his church and some of those elements uh, that the spirit has led us into then and now as well as we continue as a church of the living God. As we dive in, let's pray unto him. Lord Jesus, we do thank you for the privilege to open your word. Uh, the humble task it is, Father, to be used by you. And so we ask uh, that your grace will be in abundance here this morning, that your mercy will be made known, that you will fall on hearts, uh, that your tenderness will be felt, but that we will be informed of how you are working in and through your church and how you delight in your church and adore her. So we give you praise for these things as we look forward to what you would do in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You know, I was looking at this theme of God building his, his church, and I began to think about uh, things in my life that I've had opportunity to notice, things that have been built. Uh, I I worked as a new home salesperson before, and so I had an opportunity to see many homes built. But before then, I didn't really know how houses were built. I didn't know that the house itself needed a foundation dug down and then cement poured to bring stability to that. I didn't know that from there, you know, the wood go in to frame the entire house. And then from there, you get the wiring for the uh, electricity, and then the house begins to be filled out more and more. The roof goes on top, and doors go in, windows, and things of that nature. It was built. It was finished. Many houses were built in that fashion. But the house still needed to be filled in, right? It wasn't just sort of uh, having the bare walls or the, just the, the bare minimum, but it needed some things to fill it to go into it, to dress it up, if you will. So no matter where you are this morning, God is building you. 
God is building you within community. God is building his church as well. He's taking what, what he has already deposited within you, church, and he's bringing that into his fullness, the good gifts that you have. He's bringing your, your personality, uh, things that may be little quirks about who you are. He's using all those things to build his church. One thing about relationships and how relationships are built. You know, Dr. Uh, Gottman is a, is a um, psychiatrist, or well, really a psych- psychologist, and he spent years looking into relationships, particularly in marriages. And he studied them. He, he hooked people up to different machines to get their blood rate to, to test when, when uh, couples began to become upset. He's done all these things. So he had a scientific approach uh, to the way that he began to observe how couples are, were building their marriage, how they can have sustainability in their relationship together. And so he created the sound relationship house where the walls of the house Trust and commitment. And then on, in the foundation of it, our love maps is what he called it. Knowing one another's world. And then from there, there's a shared fondness and admiration. Turning towards one another versus turning away. Thinking about the positive perspectives of life. Pouring goodness into it. Managing conflict. And manage conflict, you begin to accept your partner's influence. Begin to dialogue about problems. Practice self-soothing. And then you begin to make your dreams come come true. Move into fulfilling some of the dreams that you may have as a couple. And you have shared meaning as you do this. I think this kind of works in every single relationship that we have. uh, Particularly as the church is being built. But you know sometimes the ways that we think the church or our relationship ought to be built are ways that crumble because we do bring into relationships and into the church some of our brokenness don't we and we begin to try to build on the foundation that already been laid who is Christ in sort of an awkward way or maybe we think we know better than God in terms of how to build our relationship together and how to build the church with him together and we falter we stumble But just like the sound relationship house would suggest, there are some good ingredients here that we can always come back to and work on. And as we turn to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, we begin to see the Spirit's work, something we can bank on, something that we can put our trust in, something that we can devote to, how he begins to work in the early church here, the first century church. And we begin to see some things that that are happening. So, so the writer is Luke, as we know. And so he turns our attention to what's happening after the Spirit is being poured out. What's going on after this sermon has been preached by Peter? What's happening to these people around Jerusalem? How are they coming together? What are some of their shared meanings together? And so we want to look at a couple of things this morning. We want to look at how uh, the church is devoted to being a, a learning community. We want to look at how she is a, a community that, that loves. And we want to look at the, the worship of the church, as it says here. And also we want to look at the witness of the church as well, how the church is devoted to these things. But first, looking at how the church is indeed uh, devoted but first, we got to look at that, the fact that Jesus builds his church. Jesus is the one that's building the church. If anything, Jesus is the one who's devoted to us. He said these words to Peter in Matthew 16. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. The emphasis is not on Peter, but the emphasis is on I will build my, build my church. He will build his church. He will do it. And even from there, we know in Ephesians 2 that it is through Christ, through him, we both have access, don't we? In one spirit to the Father. We're no longer strangers and aliens, but we are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. 
Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being together grows into a temple in the Lord. And in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. And so as we see this outpouring of the Spirit, we see that God is indeed building his church. We see that the church is devoted to learning, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles were the ones that Jesus had chosen, the one that God really had sent to him to train up to be his closest disciples. The apostles, the ones that have witnessed his life, his death, and his resurrection. They're the ones who have been there from the beginning, listening in on Jesus, seeing him do some miraculous things in the life of the people there. So these are the apostles, witnesses to all that Jesus had done. And here, they're the ones that are teaching. They're the ones that have been with Jesus. Even later in the book of Acts, we see that people give testimony that, whoa, these are ordinary men. But they look like they have been with Jesus. They begin to look like him. And so a spirit-filled church is devoted to the apostles' teaching. There's not a a fight to believe, you know, or, or a debate about theology. But they were humble, and they came under their teaching. Because they saw that, hey, what Peter is saying is true here. He's given references from Scripture themselves, and God has began to opening the minds and the hearts of the people. And even we see in verse 40, he says, Save yourselves, people of God, from this crooked generation, from this corrupt generation, from this faithless generation, with the Spirit's help, with the Spirit's help. 3,000 was added in one day. We looked at that a little bit last week, but I just wanted to highlight it here because this flows into what Luke says about how we ought to come under the apostles' teaching. So it is the spirit of truth that is working in and through the apostles as well who had come down on them. And he leads us and them into all truth. And we even remember Mary, one of Jesus' closest friends, how she sat at the feet of Jesus to learn all that she can learn from him, choosing the best thing. And so likewise, the people are soaking up all that the apostles are teaching about Jesus and about the word of God here. And so the people are learning from them. As one scholar writes, they sat at the apostles' feet, hungry to receive instruction, and they persevered in it. Moreover, the teaching of authority of the apostles to which they submitted was authenticated by miracles. As it says in verse 43, many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And we see that Jesus tells us that this is the Spirit's role to lead and guide the people into the truth. The Spirit will glorify Jesus. And that is exactly what he's doing. This new church is one full of submission to the witness of the apostle. The the spirit of truth is leading them into all God's truth here. That the people may be devoted to the word of God. You know, when I was, before I went to seminary, I had a chance to have a conversation with several people about the fact that I was going to seminary to learn more about the truth of God's word. To begin to put together my, my own, in my own mind, like, what the Bible is all about. How does it fit together? And so I, I encountered my friend's barber, and he's like, oh, you going where? I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if you should go there, because I've had friends who've gone to seminary, and they've come back changed. Like, they lost their faith. They began to make the church about, like, what they could earn and what they could get from people versus serving the people. It's like, I don't, I don't know if you want to go there. You know, I understand you want to learn some things, but I, I don't know. You might uh, come out a different person losing your faith. That always stuck to me and always stuck with me because it's a stark reminder 
about the main thing. Like, I'm not to sit at my own teachings. I'm not to come up with my, in my own mind what I think the Bible is to say. No, I'm to, I'm to accept and absorb what the Spirit is saying to me. And I love the warning that he gave me that day. Be careful about how you enter in into learning about God's word that is not about you, but it is indeed about what Christ is saying and what Christ is doing. And Christ has given us the, the apostles to learn from them. And so we have their words, even now throughout Scripture, throughout the New Testament, to learn from them, to look into who Jesus is even further, and to look to see how the Spirit has been working in among the church. And so in our, that's what we do in our neighborhood groups that meet from week to week. That's what we're doing. We're sitting at the apostles' feet. And not some author of, uh, of the study was sitting at the apostles' feet, looking into their eyewitness and testimony about Jesus. That's what we do in our moms group, being built together as moms who trust in the Savior for our family, for our kids. And that's what we do here on Sunday mornings as we gather together, hungry and thirsting after the righteousness of God. And there we find it. It's through the witness of the apostles. And so there are times, though, there's too, it's too easily, we're too easily satisfied with pseudo-truth. I am myself, you know, something to titillate my senses. But it takes rigor. It takes dedication. It takes devotion to the apostles' teaching to stay with them and to listen to what the Spirit is saying to you. And that's the challenge that for the church, that we will learn, continue to learn from Jesus in this way. Another thing that we see that the, the early church was devoted not only to learning, but also to loving. It said they, would, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And so there's a, a, a fellowship that they have here. And that, and that word would suggest that they had like a, a close relationship, a mutual interest in sharing with one another. You guys have heard the word before, perhaps, koinonia. That's what it means. They were involved in one another's lives. There was a greater privilege that they shared with one another because their fellowship was not just with one another, but their fellowship, as Scripture says in 1 Corinthians, that is with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's the fellowship that we've been called to enter into so we would know the deepest love. And at times we see our fellowship can be broken with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit based on how near we've allowed sin to us in our lives. Some of us may be here today and maybe in a place where we feel like God just doesn't want to have anything to do with us. And that's far from the truth. Why would he give his son? But we feel that, don't we? We feel like he's far off at times. Or we feel like the fellowship has indeed been broken, where it's hard to pray at times. And that's when we have to come confessing, don't we? Confessing our need for him. Confessing that we've bombed again and that we haven't been listening to him. That's the type of love that he invites us to, the fellowship. And we do that with one another as well, confessing our sins to each other allowing each other into our lives in a caring way, as the scripture would, would have us see here. You know, that through the fellowship of our experience with God, that moves us into the gifts we receive and to give to one another. In verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. Again, we see this mutual interest in one another. They did not mind making room for each other you know, the, the, the deepest sense of their attention was given to one another. They were together week in, week out. They refreshed each other's hearts. They were not too afraid to allow each other in their business, so to speak. But you see, this is how the church began to grow. It didn't happen overnight. They had to take small chances, small risks towards each other. And that's what they began to do in a caring, loving fashion. It says they, they believed they were together. So this shared sense of life that they have, 
and the things that they had common, they saw each other. They weren't hiding from one another, but they saw each other. And they dared to see each other even further. And they, they have a mutual sharing. You know, this is evidence that they care of one another, even the most of their care of one another and even their most vulnerable mem- members, the poor. They care for them. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So if someone needs something, okay, I think I can do without whatever this is so that I can help this person over here. There's another person that needs something. Well, I have this land over here. I don't, I'm not necessarily using it, but I will give it up for the sake of the church, for the sake of my brother, my sister. There's someone who can't find a job right now. How can we lean into them, into their lives, to help shoulder the burden that they have, that their family has? And these are the type of things that they were doing. And, you know, I've been so privileged to be a part of this church. If I can just brag for a second on what the Spirit is doing here. You know, I've seen many of you do these things where you have indeed given up your time for the sake of another brother or sister. That you have indeed given up money in your savings account for the sake of someone in this church to help someone who has been in desperate need. You, you have been there uh, to shoulder the burden of, of taking care of children, somebody else's kids at times, giving up your Saturday to go to the uh, GMH one-on-one class now. You know, you've given up things, and the list go on and on and on. But see, I don't want it to stop there so that you can pat yourself on the back. But give the spirit the credit, right? Boast in what he is doing. Because this is the evidence that he's been poured out into your life. The fact that you can give him the evidence. You know, we have been warned through scripture even in 1 John. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? And even further in James, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, go in peace and be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? The scripture even asks questions of us about times when we don't give to one another in the way that the spirit is leading us. The scripture even highlights the fact that we will indeed receive more joy because God loves a cheerful giver. And so as we come around one another, looking not only to our own interests, but the interests of others, this is what it looks like. Yes, there's fear that there will be pain, uh, that we will not have enough, or, or that the responsibilities will grow for us to give more and more. But you see, God will not leave you in a place of lack. He will visit with you. He will give you what you need so that you can indeed give to others because he wants you to be like him to look like him in this loving and devoted way. You know, it's been a pleasure to walk with friends over the years that, that have challenged me in this way in my heart. You know, I think about my friend Julian. You know, just this open-hearted, free-loving type of dude, you know, uh, free-hearted as they can get. Always giving, always giving, always smiling, always pursuing people uh, to ask them questions about life, always learning, always loving. You know, this is a person that, I th- I don't th- you know, you, you, you think they're, these are giants of the faith. It's like, that person has something that I need in my life as well. If there are people that you see that are like that, emulate their lives. Maybe that's the person that God has put in your life to show you that, yeah, you can stand to give a little more, or you can stand to come in a little more to commune with the saints and not be so isolated. You know, you can be reminded through people like that that, yeah, I, I, I do need to come into God's house on Sundays a little bit more. I do need to come around to my NG a little bit more than I have been doing because it's joyful. It's fun. It's life-giving. And so God will have us come and commune with one another in this way so that we're not led in alienation 
and estrangement from one another. And this is not a call to communism or to be socialist or anything like that. It's called to be more than that, actually, because it's about what the Spirit is doing. It's called to be obedient and sensitive to how he's leading and guiding us. And so the Spirit leads us to be devoted in this type of learning experience and love and also worship. And they devoted themselves to the breaking of the bread and to the prayers. You know, their fellowship was experienced not only in their sharing and caring, but also in this corporate sense of worship. As the text suggests, this was a gathering around the Lord's Supper and their prayer practices. And so we see here there's the formal and informal ways of worship on Sunday mornings, but they also broke bread in their homes. They did gather together in the temple, but they also did not give up meeting together from house to house. And as we see that the apostles, it was their regular habit to be in the sanctuary, to be where the people were, where the people could come and hear them teach. And it was their regular practice to have meals shared with one another. So you have the answers now to why we do what we do here on Sunday mornings and throughout the week. There you go. So it's no mystery to you that this is what God is calling for us to do as worshipers of of him. And so as they were breaking their bread in their homes, they were joyful and they had hearts that were filled with awe for what God was doing. Reverent fear. They did not receive, they received their foods with glad and generous hearts. They were glad to be with each other. You know, one one of my privileges I've had this past couple of months is to visit with you guys in your neighborhood groups. And I've just been filled with joy because the constant refrain has been, yes, Nancy, we want more of this. We want to meet more. We want to do things, more things together. Because you guys have received each other with glad and sincere hearts. That is the Spirit's work in and among you. We don't need to forget that as we ponder, uh, should I go to group this week or not? I don't know. Yes, go. Lead into <laughs> one another. Get there. Do whatever it takes. You know that it's going to be good for your heart, good for your soul. Deep down, it's going to be worshipful, worshipful for you. And I love the way one scholar puts worship. He said, worship is what is evoked by the presence of God. It is a response, not a self-initiated one. Creative activity on our part. Worship is the only activity that can involve the totality of our personality without any residue. All other relationships are partial. Worship is extravagant. The elders throw down their crowns. Mary pours out her precious ornament. People lie prostrate before the throne of grace. So we don't worship for what we can get out of it, but we worship in full submission unto God in our full nature, bringing everything to him, being nourished by him, being purified in him, having our hearts open in love towards him, surrendering all to Jesus, all to him I owe, but also being adored by him, being adored by Jesus, looked upon as the favorite one of God with God's people. Looked upon as the one who sees a savior who is gentle and humble in heart towards you. Not one who moves away from you. Not one who wants stale worship. But God leads us into joyful worship to give all that we have. Some of you run down the aisle sometimes. Some of you stay in your pews and just nod your head. Some of you guys, you know, you throw your hands in the air. Like you just don't care. You just do it. You know, you are in the presence of the spirit and he moves you and so it is in our lives isn't it he will move us in in different ways thank be to God that there are some of you who are involved in the community in ways that I couldn't be involved in he uses us in different ways throughout our community throughout our church bringing our gifts and filling them out so that the spirit can be made known here in our church and lastly I'll close with this not only he, did he devote, um, lead us into being devoted to a, a spirit-filled church that is learning, loving, and worshiping, but also one that is witnessing as well. 
As we see the Lord added to their number day by day by day those who were being saved. So it wasn't enough that God added 3,000 people in one day, but he began to add more and more people as the church went out on fire for God, ready to give testimony to the hope that was in their hearts. So the church is on mission. The church is, is that's the governing motif of the church. Even the book of Acts is about how the spirit was unhindered to move in his people, that they would go out and to share the good, this good news with other people in their service to one another and also with their mouths, being excited to tell of the hope of glory. What about you today? Has Jesus done anything for you lately? Have you been excited about Jesus lately? Do you see the hope that you have? What sets your heart to dancing? Or, or has the world has been too heavy for you? That it's crowded out this joy that you have by the Spirit. God wants you to be unhindered to share his Spirit with others. Unhindered to share his word. Unhindered to worship and to witness unto him. And so it really is about Jesus, isn't it? Jesus brought the increase. He added the numbers. Jesus added to his church. He saved those that he added. Jesus kept adding to his church. The outreach continued from here. Because God says, my glory will fill this earth like the waters cover the sea. And that is what he is doing through you and me. Ordinary people giving testimony to what the spirit is doing. And I love the simplicity of it. That it doesn't get any harder than that. Sharing about what he is on. Being bold enough to speak of him in such a way. And I learned this boldness myself through beach evangelism. I was a part of a, a, a group, a college group, where during the summers we would go down to Daytona Beach, and there they would set us loose after some training about how to share the gospel message with those on the beach. You know, you first do this, you're nervous. It's like, why, why am I doing this? Is this like too religious or something? You know, uh, I'm interrupting people's vacation. But there, <laughs> you know, there's a way of doing it that's respectful, though, right? You ask. You ask if you can talk to them about what you believe about Christ. You, you ask for a moment of their time. You make it known when, some, when someone asks you, hey, what are you guys doing out here? You tell them what you're doing. And so God wants us to be worshipers and witnesses unto him. You know, in new home sales, they have this equivalent of you know, what's called the quality assurance department. And these are the representatives that walk through your home with you before the deal is done. And what they're looking for with you is imperfections. They're looking for ways that they, could, they need to come back in and touch up and repair the homes. So the range, the range of the items could be from 5 to 55. You know, there are no perfect home builders. There are no perfect builders of anything except Jesus. And it may feel like he's not a perfect builder in your life right now, but he is. The overarching theme is his goodness and how he's working that out for the great redemption. It may feel like Jesus has fallen asleep on the job at times. Lord, where are you? It may feel like he's gone too far ahead of where you need to be or he's been too slow to act. But rest assured, he's with you. He won't leave you. He's building. He's building something in you. And you may be in a dry time right now in your life, but rest assured, he's bringing you back into the joy of the Lord, encouraging you to come back to him, to trust him, to be still with him, because the spirit is at work, not only in this place, but he's at work within our larger community as well, to bring people to you so that this learning may continue, to bring people to you so that folks may may have this common and shared mutual interest in our Savior. He's bringing people to you so that you can invite them in to worship with you on Sundays and throughout the week. He's using you and bringing people in through you so that you can be a witness to his devotion to his church and how he's building her into this beautiful bride, the bride of Christ, so that we will not waver in our hope of glory, who is Jesus himself. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for how you do tend to us and how merciful you are to us. 
Lord, you have not left neither, neither one of us, but your spirit attends us. And we thank you for how you lead us, Jesus, as a church, to lean into one another's lives, to take the risk with each other. We know that this is done because of your spirit and how he's been poured out in our lives from the early church until now. And so we give you praise for that. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
promise that you're going to feed, that you're going to fill us. Uh, so come and do what you said you'll do, giving us spiritual nourishment, blessing this ordinary bread and wine juice, and using it to fill our hearts with grace. Please do that. And we know we're not doing it alone, individually sitting and eating with you one-on-one, -on -one, but rather as a family. And so even strengthen our fellowship, strengthen our bond with one another as we do this together, taking from the same loaf and drinking from the same cup, as it were, doing this in line with one another, more than just standing in line, standing in community and in fellowship with one another. So come and bless us in all kinds of mysterious ways in the next few minutes. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, Jesus was betrayed. He broke bread with his disciples. And he said to them, take and eat. This is my body, broken for you. Take me to do this in remembrance of me. Then he also poured out the cup, and he said, This is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. Drink of it, all of you. We've got one table in the front and two tables in the back. You can come forward right away and get in line, or you can sit and Pray and reflect as you need, if you'd like to as well. We have bread and crackers for those with allergies. We've got uh, wine or juice, your choice. If you could just leave the cups and the baskets before you leave this room, that'll help us clean up. We have a prayer team member or two that are in the back. It's Joanna and Anna, who would, Joanna and Anna would love to pray with you. Any need you have that's on your heart, you can go to them. You can just explain to them in one sentence, this is what's going on, could you pray for me? Or maybe you've got no words. You just need to go and say, I've got nothing to say, can you just pray? And they will pray for you. This is one of the best ways that we love each other, bearing the burden so that you know you're not carrying it alone. So go and make yourselves, uh, uh, or, or go on up to them and they'll pray for you in the back there. Uh, come forward, if you're not ready to come forward, maybe because you know, gosh, this Jesus thing is important, but I have not been convinced that I need him yet. Well, we love that you're here. We love that you are processing these things related to the Bible and the Christian faith. Uh, but maybe it is the right time for you to come, and if not, then uh, we'd love for you to remain and pray and ponder and think about the things that you've heard. Maybe some of the reflection questions that you'll find in the bulletin, a prayer as well that you'll find written out for you there too. Let's all of us use this time well and let's let Jesus assure your hearts if you are taking communion that he really has died and risen for you. He really does love you. He really is drawing you by his spirit into the community, not only right here, but the community of the Trinity. He wants to be near to you. Come and be near to him.
through her faithfulness. We pray that we would remember and honor her and her work, which is really your work, well. And so we pray uh, for this departure, and we want to say goodbye with uh, sad hearts and yet with full hearts as well. And so we commit Amy into your hands, and we ask for your blessing upon her. We pray this in Jesus' name, and all God's people said together, Amen. Amen. Could we please put our hands together? trust in him, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you might abound in hope 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, now and forevermore, and all God's people said together, amen. amen. Great being with you all. Take care, everyone. Have a great week. Otherwise, we'll see you next time.